Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you are here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. All right, first Sunday of the new year. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Looking forward to what God has for us, not just today, but for the rest of 2024. I'm, I'm praying and believing for some great things. And I'm excited because if you would have asked Jane and I 10 years ago, would we be here? We couldn't have even imagined all that God was doing. I shared with Jane this past week. I said, isn't funny because... It was about 10 years ago this past week where we were told that the building that we had just canvassed 25,000 homes to invite people to attend our first service, that that building was given away to two other churches. And so we had less than five weeks to spread the word that we were going to be meeting for the very first Sunday at the Oak Ridge Mall movie theater. And so, hey, we're, uh, media team, can you make sure the Spanish graphics up there that they are dismissed? So if you are part of the Spanish ministry, you're dismissed. And I got them waving at me. So if we can take care of that in the future, it'd be great. And so when it comes to this time of year, we were looking back. We were just like, man, we, we didn't know what God was going to do. We were walking through Costco. And at that time, the church had this much money in the bank, nothing, a big fat zero. And so Jane and I took our American Express credit card. And we maxed it out at $14,000, and we said, by faith, God, this is, this is everything, and we're just going to believe that you're going to take our nothing, and you're going to multiply it, because I don't want to be paying 21% interest rates for the rest of my life, so please, God, show up in a big way. And God came through in amazing ways, because we got a call from a organization in Oklahoma that they had heard about our need, that we had somehow gotten the fact that our building was lost. We were having to get all the startup costs. And they raised that night just shy of the $14,000 that we had just spent on our credit card. We just saw God just come through in miraculous ways. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't want to lose that. I don't want our church to get so comfortable where we aren't desperate for God, where we don't dare that God will come through, where we say, you know what, God, I want to step out in bigger and greater ways. My prayer for you and our church this year is not that we have a routine year, but that we have a remarkable year. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for our ministry, our church. And I believe that God wants to do more than make Southridge Church a ritual that you and I attend, but I believe he wants this to be a radical place where we change our city of San Jose. And so with that in mind, I would love for you to take your Bible to the book of Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. And I love this passage because it's the final words of Jesus before he ascends up into heaven. And we won't be long this morning, but I do want to begin this year by diving into these just powerful truths from God's word that I hope that there's some big takeaway that will help you in this coming year. Acts chapter number one, verse four, the Bible says this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to, what's the word church? To wait. I don't know about you, but I hate to wait, man. I can't stand waiting. I don't like waiting at the mall. I don't like waiting at the long lines at Disneyland, 
I don't like waiting to travel somewhere. I don't like waiting in traffic. I just don't like to wait. How many of you, you're just not, waiting is not your thing. You don't have the gift of patience. Okay, there we go. I'm with my tribe. Okay, we just, we just don't like waiting, okay? It's hard to wait. So hard to wait. And Jesus' last words, hey, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. He's referring back to John chapter number 14, where he said, I must go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. But he told them, I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. I'm going to send the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, and he's going to be with you. That's what Jesus is referring to. So he's reminding them before he goes, somebody else is going to come in his place. And that person, the Holy Spirit, is called the promise here. Verse number five, Jesus begins to kind of illustrate what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He says, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you see what the disciples just did? They totally changed the subject. Here, Jesus, his final words, his last instruction, he's saying, hey, guys, I'm going to go, but you wait here because the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's coming. And they're like, yeah, 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 that's great. Hey, by the way, when are you going to overthrow Rome? And I feel like that's you and I, isn't it? It's like God has this great truth that he wants to tell us about, but we can't even think about anything else. Uh, My family around Christmas, we wake up Christmas morning, and before we open presents, we always read Luke chapter number two. And all of my kids are like, Dad, can you read faster? Can I read it? Can we read in a bridge version? Like, how fast can we skip through it? And I said, you're missing the point. You don't really care about the message. You really just want to get to the presence. And I think too often that's our mindset. Jesus is telling us something so profound, but our minds can't even comprehend it. I think sometimes we can come to church and we're more focused about the pot roast at home or more focused about the lunch meeting than we are in saying, God, you got something here for me that can radically transform my life. So help me right now to be dialed into this. Because the disciples are like, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. But when, when, when are we going to get rid of Caesar? Because we like how you fed the 5,000. And man, those miracles, like, you know, the leprosy, I mean, that guy had no nose. And man, you touched him and his nose was back. And it was great. It was amazing what you could do. We want more of that. That's what the disciples were focused on. And then we see verse number seven. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. He brings them back to what's most important. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Let's turn a page and go to Acts chapter number two, if you would. And let's look at just four verses. Acts two, verse one. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want to start with a question this morning. Are you working with what you've got, but it's not working? 
Do you feel like you went through 2023 and you worked so hard on yourself? You worked so hard on your life and you were hoping for something to get a little bit better, but you just got more of the same? I know I felt like that. I know I've come to moments in my life where I'm working and I'm saying, God, I'm working, but this isn't working. And that's why this message is so important. Because God gave them some instructions here. He said, I get it. Your life is not going to work as it should without this one ingredient. You need and I need what this passage is talking about this morning. And if we're going to have not just a routine year, but a remarkable year, it's going to start because we understand this passage of scripture. Because what is presented to us here has the power to change everything. And not just in a small way, but we're going to see in the verse of this chapter, it's going to change it in a radical way, in a life-altering way, a you're never going to stay the same kind of a way, in a way that will wreck you in all the right kind of ways. But God, I, I got to start first and foremost by asking you a question. Do you know how to fly a kite? Some of you, yeah. How many of you say, I don't know how to fly a kite? Can I see your hand? I see a lot of hands. Well, you picked a great Sunday to come to church because I, um, I brought a kite and I'm going to teach you how to fly it just like on Mary Poppins. All right. But here's the thing. There's, there's three ingredients you need to know to fly a kite. First, you need a kite. First ingredient done. Second, you need a kid. Austin, can you help me out? You're kind of a teenager, but still kind of a kid. So this is perfect. So you stand here, and this is your kite anyway. So there you go. Just hold it right there, okay? Just hold it. There we go. All right. So I told you there was three ingredients to flying a kite. You need the kite. Check. You need a kid. Check. All right. Now. Okay, let's fly our kite. Ready? Just, just let it go and let's fly this kite. Okay. I think we're missing the third ingredient. Shout it out if you know the missing ingredient. Wind. wind. That's amazing. Okay, so we need wind. Awesome. Okay, we are in an enclosed, modified theater building. I don't know if we're going to get the wind that we need. I, I don't know we're going to get it. Just hold it there. But I got a solution. Here's, here's what I think we can do. Let's see if this will work. Let's just try this. Because we need some wind. We don't have any wind. But let's try and manufacture some wind, okay? So, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to roll up this kite just a little bit. And we need some tension on it, okay? So hold it up higher. Okay, yeah, hold it up high. And let's see if this will work, okay? All right, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let Man. Even that didn't work. I'm telling you, I don't have a real job. This is what I do all week. I just think of, oh, I got a blower. I was supposed to blow the leaves in my backyard. That didn't happen, but I got a sermon illustration out of it, right? And, and, and then the kite. So something happened. The missing ingredient is really wind. And we couldn't really manufacture any wind, could we? Austin, you were great at help. Thank you. Have a seat. Have a seat. This kite needed wind. I can't tell you how many times growing up, my parents would get us a kite, and we would go over to Morgan Hill where I was just a little kid, 
And I would just pray for some wind to get my kite to fly. And so many times, I feel like you and I want to fly. We want to soar. We want to do something for God. And we can't get our life, our kite to fly. But yet we figure, we feel that we just need to make something up. That we just got to manufacture some wind. We just got to create some wind. So we'll do whatever we have to do to just kind of manufacture some wind. We'll just try to create it. Because on Sunday morning, we've got to let everybody know, hey, our spiritual life is great. Everything's great. And we just kind of manufacture this wind. But here's the truth this morning. God is not asking you to create wind. He's asking you to catch the wind that he's already created. And this morning, many of us are trying to create something that God is saying, you don't have to create it. I need you to catch it. And that's the promise from chapter 1 to chapter 2. He said, wait for the wind. You see, you and I, we don't like to wait, and that's our problem. We don't want to wait for that wind that's going to lift us to the next level. We want to manufacture it. And I'm telling you, you tried that last year, so let's not repeat the same mistakes, shall we? Let's say in 2024, we say, God, I did that already. I sang that song. It just can't feel like going on repeat. I want something new. I want something different. But if I'm going to have something different, I have to do something different. You see, when Jesus told them to wait, this is not a holy hesitation. He's saying, wait for a heavenly visitation. That's what they needed. They needed something that was from somewhere else to help them. And it was going to have the profound impact that they wanted. You see, wind is what powers our purpose. You see, you are not an accident. And I don't mean to be cliche. I don't mean to take you back to your high school graduation where you are unique and, and different and go make your mark in the world. But I do want you to know this. You do have a divine purpose. But that divine purpose needs divine power Otherwise, you are never going to fulfill all that God has for you. And so this morning, God wants to remind you that his power is readily available. So we've got to wait for the wind. You see, God wanted them to have more than just their purpose. He wanted them to have the power in this new age because he was about to kick off something. You and I are gathering a place called the church. The Greek word is ekklesia, a called out assembly. In Acts chapter number one, the ekklesia did not exist. It was about to by the end of chapter two. They were going to be a part of giving birth to something brand new. But God didn't want them to give birth to something with no power. He wanted them to give birth to something that had some power to it, something that was alive. Today, the church is supposed to be the forerunner out there in culture. We're supposed to be leading the charge on what marriage should look like, on what child rearing should look like, and what culture should look like, and what speech should look like, and what the city should look like. The church should be leading the way. We're supposed to be the forerunner. But instead, we're the runner-up, aren't we? Why is the church so marginalized? We have less impact. We have less influence. Because we have decided we won't wait for the wind. We'll make our own wind. And to God, it just sounds like we're breaking wind. Yeah, all week, all week. That, that was it. That, that, I was like, couldn't wait to use that one. Pity applause, please. There we go, golf clap. Some of you finally woke up, you're like. But God wants you and I to have a different kind of a power in our life. To overcome things, but not just overcome, but then to make the change that we want. 
You and I have to get dissatisfied with where our life is. And we have to say, God, I believe there is more. I believe there is power, and God wants to have it. And this power of the wind was a promise born on the word. You see, in chapter 1, Jesus made the promise. He said, there's this promise that the Holy Spirit's coming. So you and I, we're not just taking this promise saying, who made the promise? The word made the promise. And we can trust it. We can rely on it. That God's word will give us the, the help that we need in this new season. You see, the Holy Spirit is meant to be viewed not as a perk, but as the whole package to the Christian life. And we just look at the Holy Spirit as kind of an add-on. That if you've got it and you're using it, that's great. But we are going to need the Holy Spirit's power. And so I'm so glad, though, that Jesus did not tell his disciples to go back to Jerusalem, go back to an upper room, and work hard for the wind. And I think some of us feel like we got to work hard for the wind. Man, I got to pray and I got to fast and I got to be extra good. And oh man, I messed up. I'm sorry, I got to messed up. Please, please don't separate me from the wind. Come on, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's not at all what the disciples did. I think you and I have this view that when the disciples went to the upper room, that they were just fasting and praying. Is that at all what they were doing? Because that's what everybody told me in Bible college, that they went up to the upper room and they all just fasted and prayed. They didn't eat anything, drink anything. They just waited for the wind. That's not at all what they did. Acts chapter number one, they have a little business meeting. That's what they did. They said, hey, Judas, he's gone. Let's go get another uh, apostle. That's what they were doing. They weren't waiting. They weren't praying. I'm not trying to marginalize anything. I'm just saying, you and I have these preconceived uh, ideas of how the Holy Spirit's going to come. And some of you feel like, man, I just got to just beat my fist into the carpet in my prayer closet until Holy Spirit comes. God doesn't want you to work for this or to worry for this. He said, just wait for it. Just wait for it. And some of us are so obsessed that, oh, I got to get it. 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 God's like, relax. That's not the way the Christian life is supposed to be. I'm going to come through, but just wait for this wind. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to work for it. You just wait on the Holy Spirit. God will do the work. He'll send it. You see, waiting is the only way this thing works. Not trying to force this thing. And some of us are trying to force things to happen that God is saying, I don't, that's not how I want it to happen. I can't tell you how many things I've tried to force in my life that God's like, that's not what I want to do. But first of all, we see, number one, we need to wait for the wind instead. But too often what we like to do is we're not going to wait for it. We're going to wing it. Come on. I know I got my friends in the auditorium. You just wing it. You know, it's date night. Where are you going to go? I don't know. We'll just find some place. And a Friday night, Santana Row, everything's booked up. It's an hour and 45 minute wait. That's what happens when you wing it. So you're going to be at five guys. That's what's going to happen. Because you were going to wing it. You want to have a romantic night. It was a nice candlelit dinner because you winged it. We're at Five Guys. And they got all dressed up. Now they're mad. And you're like, but Five Guys is delicious. I don't know why we're mad. We're at Five Guys. This is great. But in our Christian life, sometimes we just think, God, I'll just wing it. How, how would you like it if each and every Sunday the worship team just winged it? How would you like it if each and every Sunday the, the, the rich kids team just winged it? No, you wouldn't. I can't just wing it. We shouldn't just be winging it. And how many times you and I were tempted just to wing it, just, hey, it's okay, I'll just keep going. No, 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 we need to understand that we need the Holy Spirit's power. Zechariah 4, 6, the Old Testament prophet, he said this, and it's profound. He says, not by might, nor by power, 
but by your spirit. He said, I'm not going to do this by my own might, by my own power. I'm going to wait for your spirit to do this. I need help to do this. Aren't you tired of doing relationships in your own power? Aren't you tired of doing the job in your own power? Aren't you tired of trying to make it in the Christian life on your own? How about you say, Lord, I need some help. And so I need that Holy Spirit power. So let me tap into that. How foolish would it be for me to take my pickup truck and try to say, you know what? Instead of utilizing that to haul something heavy, I'll just do it myself. I'll just pull a trailer myself. Not going to happen. And some of you are working so hard at the Christian life and God is looking at you saying, why are you working so hard? My burden is easy and my yoke is light. And yet you are struggling and straining and all the while getting a little bit bitter and salty against God. And it could be that God's saying, I didn't ask you to do that in your own strength. I didn't ask you to carry that in your own power. You say, well, well I just feel like this is the, all, all the way I'm always supposed to do it. No, 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 no. I'm going to do this with God's power and let his strength overflow and let his strength work through me. I think too often, though, is we want to be able to explain everything in our life. There should be some things that happen at Southridge Church that we just can't explain. And we simply say, God did it. That's all. We bought six acres of land, and I feel like sometimes I get just kind of a little bit... Like, yeah, 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 we bought six acres. But you know what's amazing? Everybody that I tell that our church bought six acres of land in the Silicon Valley for $1,250,000, they kind of lose it. They're like, how did you get six acres for that cheap? And I'm saying, God did it. God did it. And too often, if you and I can explain everything, then that means God's not doing any miracles in our life. And if we are called to be a daring church, we need to put ourselves in some positions where we say, you know what, God, you have to come through on this. God, you're going to have to show up. I'm going to believe that you can do something because I can't. Many of us know L.A. traffic, but not just L.A. traffic. We know of L.A. smog. How many of you ever been through L.A. where that air is disgusting, right? They did a study one time to see what they could do about the poor and terrible air quality. They said, you know, emissions regulations aren't doing it. The no burn days aren't doing it. The don't run uh, gas powered lawnmowers and hedge trimmers, that doesn't do it. What, what can we do? So they, they, they paid for a very uh, wide scoping, expensive study. And then the consultants came back and they told the city council, they said, we're kind of embarrassed by our findings. You spent all this money and And you wanted us to come up with a solution for L.A.'s terrible air quality. And the only solution that we have, and this is, and I quote, what was in the study, you need a wind from elsewhere. You need a wind that will sweep through this valley and blow it all out into the ocean. You need something that you can't create to take care of this mess that you live in. And this year, you might be looking at, oh, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to do Fit 75. I'm not going to eat any carbohydrates. I'm just going to drink water and live off of ice cubes. And I'm going to be healthy, skinny, and sexy. And you're just like, yeah. And by day two, you're like, I hate life. I'm going to murder somebody for a pretzel. And I think sometimes we go through our Christian life like that. When God's like, no, 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 you need something that you can't provide. 
You need a wind from elsewhere to sweep out the pollution, to sweep out the junk, to sweep out the mess. You and I are looking to government to solve a problem. You're looking to the neighbor to solve a problem. You're looking to law enforcement to solve a problem. I'm looking to God to say, God, these are huge problems. These are real problems. I hate the crime. I hate the homelessness. I hate to see all the violence. I hate to see all the junk. I hate it, God. But instead of me blasting everybody, I'm saying, God, what do you want to do and how can I be your solution to this? What can we do to change our city of San Jose? What can we do to make a difference here? And so, God, I need a wind from elsewhere. It's not going to come from here, but it's got to come from heaven. I need something different, God. And I believe, God, that you can do it. You know, many of us have heard somebody say, I've gotten my second wind. You ever heard that? Somebody who is tired and winded, and they were running, and then they come back and they say, whew, man, it just felt like I got my second wind back. I want to say this morning, you need a second wind. The first wind came in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where the Bible said that God created man out of the dust of the earth. And then it says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The word breath is that word that means divine inspiration. It means that there was something that came not from us, but from outside of us that gave us life. It's what we call ruah and pneuma. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the first breath. And then this is that second wind. The second wind when we say, God, I need you. And God comes in with that power that we need. And he says, I can help you with this. And so if you are feeling winded this morning, you need to say, God, I need a second wind. I need it from you. And God says, I'll give it to you. Just watch for it. That's my third point. Watch for it. Watch for the wind. We're not here to create the wind. We're here to catch the wind. We're here to see where God is moving and say, God, is that where you want to move? Then we want to be a part of it. I was in Maui with uh, Jane on our anniversary in 2021. And we were driving by the beach and I kept seeing these large kites. I couldn't quite see uh, anything over the dune, but I saw these large kites, and I was like, this is different. I've never seen it. Let's, let's pull off, and we grabbed lunch, and we sat on the beach, and we were looking at something I'd never seen before, kite surfers, and I was amazed by these surfers, these men and women who were powering their surfboards, and they're doing jumps. They're doing somersault things. They're doing tricks in the waves, and I was like, that is cool, and it's all powered by the wind. And these kites that catch the wind. This morning, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to catch his power. Your power over any addiction. Your power over any dysfunction. Your power over anything that you just feel overwhelmed and defeated by. God is saying, catch my wind. I'll give it to you. I think today we meet people and we look at them and we'll say kind of a negative statement. They go wherever the wind blows. And I want to twist that this morning. I don't want that to be a negative statement. We say it about politicians. Oh, they, they'll just go wherever the wind is blowing. You say it about a coworker. Oh, they just go wherever the wind is blowing. Wherever there's something easy. I want to be a church that goes wherever the wind is blowing. Wherever God is moving, I want to be there. Whatever God is doing, I want to be there because I can't create. I'm, I'm done creating the wind. It, it didn't even work to get the kite up. It didn't get my life, my marriage, my child rearing. It didn't get my finances. It didn't get my mental and emotional health. It, it doesn't do anything 
I need something from God. And so I need to be someone who says, God, I'm just going to go wherever the wind is blowing. So where are you blowing, God? Where are you moving? That's where I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to do. And so, God, if you tell me to talk to that person, I'll talk to him. If you tell me to go there and be a part of it, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be a part of that, God. Because I'm a person that wants to see you move. But maybe you're thinking, I don't know, Micaiah. And you're just wondering this question that's actually my question. There's something safe about routine. There is. Just get in our routine. It's not great. It's not better. But it's okay. Marriage isn't fireworks and amazing, but it is okay. The kids, eh, they'll be out of the house at 18. The job, hmm. I get two and a half weeks of vacation every year. That's eh, okay. Friends, nah. But there's some safety in that consistency. That's why we just fall prey for it. And the real question you're asking, you're saying, Micaiah, what you're asking me to step into is a radical change from what I'm used to. It could take me someplace that I don't know where it's going to take me. For me to step out. And so the question that's really on your mind is not, do I wait for the wind? Do I wing it? Do I watch for it? You're asking, is it worth it? That's the question. Is it all worth it? I want the scripture to speak to this point. Because you had Peter, the person who denied Jesus three times, who swore up and down at a campfire that he never knew anything about Jesus. That guy, in Acts chapter number two, after the wind came, he does something. He preaches a sermon. And the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. They started the morning with 120, and now there's 3,120 of them. Is it worth it? It's worth it. Is it worth the hard work? It's worth it. Is it worth the waiting? It's worth it. We have to be the church that says every person we serve, every person that we give a hug or a handshake to, every person that we spend time with, every person that we show the love of Jesus to, it's worth it. Every hour, every dollar, every mission trip, every orphanage we build, every place that we go, it's worth it. Everything our church is going to do, $12 million to build the campus, it's worth it. Everything is worth it because it's about changed lives. And one changed life is worth it. Because Jesus gave his life for that one. And we will do whatever it takes to reach one more person. I don't know how much time I get left on this beautiful earth. But I want to spend it not just in the routine, but something that is radical. And I want my life to matter. I want to leave my mark. I was listening to a podcast this week, Joe Rogan. He's saying, eh, what does it matter? We're here for maybe 100 years, and there were nothing. We're gone. It doesn't matter. And I said, oh, you're so wrong, Joe. You're so wrong. Because there was one man, didn't own a house, 
never married. The coat he had, the only thing of value, people were gambling with it as he lay dying on a cross. He never traveled more than 60 miles from his hometown. But that man, his name is Jesus. And 2,000 years later, not just 100, 2,000 years later, we're talking about him, Joe. And you can know him as well. But he's not the only one. There are countless people who said, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and let Jesus do whatever he wants. And Jesus is like, all right, get ready for the wind. This is like a Florida hurricane coming your way. I'm about to use you to shake things up. I'm about to use you to shake up your marriage, shake up your home, shake up your job, shake up your church, shake up your community. There's a wind of the Spirit that's about to blow, and you can't see it, but its effects are going to be significant. And that's what we need this year. That's what God wants to do. But we got to wait for that wind, my friend. we got to say, God, I'm ready. I'm watching for it. I remember flying a kite one time. And just like every kid flying a kite, you get lost in the wonder that this thing is flying in the sky. And like every kid, you lose track of how much string you've got left. And you just keep undoing the string. And then my kite got away from me. And I remember my dad saying, jump in the van, we got to chase that kite driving all over Morgan Hill just watching this kite. He said, keep your eye on that kite. That's a lot of money. We got to find that kite. Let's go. But the kite was born on the wind. And though I couldn't see the wind, I could see the kite that was on the wind. Maybe somebody around you is like, I don't believe in God. I don't see God. And you could tell them, that's okay. You don't need to be able to see God because I'm riding the wind. And if you see me, you see where God is moving because I'm about to shake up this marriage that you thought is over. I'm about to shake up this city that you're going to give up on. I'm about to shake up this church that you think you're about to leave. I'm about to see God move. So you may not see him, but you can see me. And I'm riding the wind this morning. Amen. Let's stand as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, we need you. Oh, God, I believe there's something great you want to do in these people, in my life. We're ordinary people, God, but you're an extraordinary God, and we are believing you for great things. We believe that this year is going to be a, not a routine year, a remarkable year. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just think we need to start this year in prayer, asking God to do something supernatural with our natural that God would take the ordinary and do the extraordinary. That God would just take some humble people that say, Lord, where's that wind blowing? I want to get a hold of that. I need some of that. This is not about clean energy or renewables. This is about seeing the divine. And if you say this morning, Makai, would you pray for me? Would you ask God to use me this year as I watch for that wind? Would you slip up a hand? Can I pray for you? Is that you? Oh, amen. God bless you. I see hands everywhere. Amen. That's what we need. Some people who say, I want to watch for the wind. Here's what I want to do this morning. 
I just want to invite us in this moment. We just say, God, here I am. I'm nothing big, but I'm just going to bring you what I've got. Every person that ever brought Jesus something, he blessed it. But he never blessed anything that nobody brought to him. If you want his blessing on it, would you bring it to him? You want your life to be blessed? Bring it to him this morning. You say, how do I do that? Right there in your seat. You can say, God, my heart is yours. My life is yours. My future is yours, God. And then God says, I'll bless that. You don't know what to do about your relationship? Say, God, this is yours. Don't know what to do about your racing thoughts and anxious mind and heart. Say, God, I don't know what to do about this. I give it to you. And God says, okay, anything you bring to me, I bless it. And so right now, we just, in the stillness, as we start this year, in the quietness of the moment, may you sense him blowing and moving in your life. John chapter number four, it says you don't know where the wind comes from, but you can feel it. And right now, you may not see it, you may not hear it, but you're going to feel it this week. And that's my prayer that you would feel God moving directing and guiding leading you blessing you, filling you favoring you, protecting you directing you and God we come before you we're just a humble church with dreams so much bigger than our size and God we're just believing that this year is going to be different it's going to be bigger we want something new And we've tried all the life hacks, all the mystery diets, all the things that promise to change our life. And they brought a little change, but we want something bigger this year, God. And so we're coming to you. So God, every heart that seems dry, would you fill it? Every empty place, would they experience your peace and your love? Every fearful heart, may they sense a renewed sense of confidence and power. And God, would you use our little ministry to punch way above our weight class. And we dedicate this past decade to you and the next decade to you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Here's what I need from you, church. It's been a great first Sunday. But I need you to tell somebody around you and say, you know what? Don't forget that message. Wait for the wind. It's coming. It's coming. Would you do that? God bless you. You are dismissed. If you'd like to attend Grow Tracks, we're going to be there in about 15, 20 minutes in the youth room. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time. Have a great day.